0: Hi everybody, glad you're here tonight, thanks for coming out, I'm excited to uh, share with you what we're going to talk about tonight, I'm going to move this over a little, I really don't want to stand behind a pulpit uh, for you tonight, but I do need to look at some notes from time to time. How's your week been? Good? Thanks. Our call to worship is, uh, intertwined with the topic tonight. It's Psalm 37, if you have your Bibles. And if you don't, you can listen. I'm going to read verses 3 through 7. Psalm 37, then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, just be quiet for a moment and uh, meditate on them, and then we'll pray. Psalm 37 verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So just go back to recap. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. Number four: Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Number 5, commit your way to the Lord. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Would you bow with me? Let's just be quiet for a moment. Meditate on those things. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us and then I'll uh, open us up with prayer in just a minute. Father, we're grateful that we have Your Word written and spoken to us. And God, as we read it out loud, it's the very Your very voice that's speaking to us every time we read it. reminds us of who You are. reminds us of who we are in You. In these particular passages, Father, it reminds us of what we need to do in order to have the sweet, sweet fellowship that You have designed for us to have with You. So God, even as we spend some time in the Word tonight and talking about how to know the plan, Your plan for our lives, help us to delight in You and help us to commit our way to You and to trust You, God. And Lord, uh, help us to even be still before You, even as we study together tonight. We're grateful for everyone who's come. Grateful for the privilege we have to freely gather. We're mindful, Father, that not everybody in the world has that privilege to openly worship like this. So, Lord, we don't take that for granted. It's a gift from You, and we're thankful for it, Father. God, would You minister to us understanding tonight as we desire to hear Your voice and know Your plan for our lives. And, God, we know You have purposes and plans for us. The Word tells us that. And we're not alone, and we're not uh, lonesome, weary travelers in this life. We have You, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to guide and direct and lead us along. And I'm so grateful for that, for all of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Did you get a sheet off the chair in the when you came in? The topic tonight is, Can I Know God's Plan for My Life? It's the question we've always asked, right? How do I know God's plan? God's will for my life? Uh how can I understand it? As we begin this, uh I'm going to read from first cr- chapter first Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2 if you want to turn there in your Bibles. First Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul's talking about proclaiming Christ crucified here in this chapter. And he's he's uh, talking about the wisdom we receive as believers from the Spirit of God as we walk in fellowship and intimacy with Him. And I'm going to start in verse 6 here of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Our key verses tonight are 9 and 10, but I'm going to start in 6 because I want you to get a bigger picture. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, but the spirit who is from god that we might understand the three things freely given to us by god and i'm going to stop there let me begin with a story a personal story I and mean, again the topic is can i know god's plan for my life <clears throat> when i was uh, karen and i were in our uh, early 30s i was in the propane gas business involved in that in iowa and I was traveling the state, I was training uh, employees of the gas company I was working for around the state on safety in uh, handling propane gas. I was sitting in eastern Iowa one night in a, ho- in a motel after a gr- just a great day of training, and uh, we're always inv- heavily involved in our local church. I was, I was, te- I was teaching adult Sunday school, preaching once in a great while for the pastor, uh, as a fill in when he went on vacation and things. And just, uh, loved teaching. And I loved teaching even in the propane gas field. Matter of fact, I often say if I wouldn't, I would, uh, not be in the ministry, I'd still be in the propane gas business. I loved it so much. But I was sitting over in eastern Iowa, and I was thanking the Lord that day after a good training session in, in the motel room, and suddenly the Lord said to me, impressed upon me, Rich, you love teaching so much. Why aren't you doing it for me full time? And I kind of went, whoa. I'm uh, 32, 33 years of age, I think, at this time. went home, I told Karen about it, she said, "Well, let's go see Pastor Todd at our church and tell him." So we went to see him, and uh, he listened. And he said, "Well, Rich and Karen, if God's speaking to you, you've got to listen. You got to obey what He's saying to you." He said, "I tell you what. He knew where we were. I didn't have a. I didn't have a college degree. I'd taken a couple of courses along the way, business courses." He said, "Why don't you go up to uh, Northwestern Bible College in St. Paul and pay them a visit? Talk to the professors in the Bible department." Kind of tell them your story and uh, see what God says. So we made a, called up there, made an appointment with admissions, went up to visit one day during the week and uh, kind of liked what we saw, visited with a couple of professors, and the professor said, eh, it's going to be a difficult journey for you. I thought, <laughs> <So> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was honest. And... Uh, Probably not what I wanted to hear at the moment, but he was honest. And uh, so we took an application home and we're praying and finally decided we filled it out. We sent it in and we started uh, asking the Lord. We said, Lord, if this is really you, uh, we're both fully employed. We have three children, one in uh, high school and 10th grade and two in elementary school. And I said, Lord, if this is really you, we just got to be absolutely sure this is your plan for our lives. And uh, so we laid out what I call the Gideon fleeces. We laid out three fleeces before the Lord to see if we could know and understand his plan for sure. Fleece number one was we didn't want to go into a pile of debt with a college education. And so we said, Lord, if you're in this, uh, you got to pay for this college education. Two thirds of it we asked for. Biggest mistake in my life. I should ask for all of it. The Lord, if you're in this uh, somehow, some way, just two thirds of this has got to be paid, just like that, before we ever begin. Second fleece was we needed a three-bedroom apartment to house our family that we could afford on a one, basically a one-income uh, situation. And and the third fleece was we needed uh, Karen needed to have a really, really good job. You needed a job that was good, well-paid for that time. This is like uh, uh, 1990, um, 1990, 1988. And we needed benefits so that our kids would have health insurance coverage and that kind of stuff. So we sent in the application. and. And uh, we even started, uh, made a trip up, started looking around for an apartment. Went to one of these apartment headhunter places and uh, that help you find a place to live. And they said, well, there's a three-bedroom apartment up in White Bear Lake, we'll call. So they called and they asked the apartment manager, is there a three-bedroom apartment available? Nope, no, nothing available. I said, hmm, that's funny, okay. And uh, we looked around. Priced some other things, and they were way out of our income level ability to pay for them. And and uh, we went home, and uh, Karen's thinking, and we're thinking about, well, what would Karen do? And, and uh, we had a friend in Iowa at our church that came to us when he knew what we were thinking about doing. He said, you know, my cousin lives north of Minneapolis. He runs a big factory place there. And he said... He always uses, I told him about you, he said, and he always uses a headhunter, a woman, downtown Minneapolis. You, sh- Here's her number. You should go see her, Karen. Call her and make an appointment. Oh, okay. All right. So Karen called and made an appointment. In the meantime, things are starting to roll. All of a sudden, a uh, uh, phone call comes uh, one night from northwestern, College, the admissions director, and he said, "Rich, guess what?" I said, "What?" He said, "I'm happy to tell you, you're accepted into Northwestern Bible College, and by the way, two thirds of your education's paid for. Right off the bat, you only need like this much money to do it." And I said, "Well, praise the Lord! Thank you for that." So, boom, fleece number one was answered. Fleece number two, the apartment. We couldn't figure out the apartment deal, and. I don't know, talking with each other, we finally decided, you know what? I'm going to call that White Bear Lake apartment place. And I'm going to ask them if they have a three-bedroom apartment available. So I called them up and I said, you have a three-bedroom apartment available? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got one available. And I said, well, can we look at it? Yeah, yeah. So I called my friend uh, up in the city. I said, would you go over to White Bear Lake and look at this apartment for us? I don't want to go look at it. I'm not going to drive a couple hundred miles to do it again. And he went over and looked at it and said, well, as far as I know, it looks good to me. So I called it up and we rented it. Boom. We had fleece number two uh, the apartment. Along the way, I had told Karen one night, and I don't know why the Lord impressed it on me, but I told Karen, Karen, out of the three fleeces, one of them we're going to have to move on by faith. We're going to have to make the move. Quit the jobs. Transition to Waver Lake. Enroll in school, and we got to do it by faith before we have the third one answered. her job. Well, in the meantime, she'd gone up to this headhunter, or we were on our way to, north, up to uh, her first appointment with the headhunter. On the way up there, she looked at me and she said, "Rich, I'd like to go over to the Northwestern College and talk to the head of the secretarial administrative assistant program, and uh, before I go have this appointment with the headhunter, get her idea of input." I said, oh, sounds good. So we went over there, and Karen went and met with her, and the lady said, well, hey, you know what, she said? I want you to go downtown Minneapolis and meet a woman. Boom. Same woman that the cousin in Iowa had told Karen to go see. So she did that. Filled out the the little testing that you have to do for performance qualifications and all that. About a week later, they called, and Said uh, we'd like you to interview for a job with First Trust Bank downtown uh, St. Paul in the in the trust department, working for lawyers. So Karen came up and and uh, interviewed with them. Went home. Didn't hear. Didn't hear. It was approaching Thanksgiving time, and our goal was to move from Iowa on the Thanksgiving weekend to White Bear Lake get in the apartment, and I was going to start the new quarter at Northwestern College, the the winter quarter, right after Thanksgiving. Well, sure enough, it came. Her brothers came down, brought their farm trucks, loaded all our our stuff up, uh, stopped at her parents on the way up on Thanksgiving, had Thanksgiving, and the day after Thanksgiving, they took us on up to White Bear Lake and unloaded us into the apartment. And one of the first boxes I opened had our phone in it. In those days, we still had a wall phone. Remember those? (laughs) That's a long time ago. And I reached into the box. It was right in the kitchen. It was right by the wall there. I reached in the box. I took out, I can still see it, our yellow wall phone, push-button wall phone. And I took and I hung it on the wall, clicked it into place, took my hands off it, and it rang. And I said, hello? They said, I'm, uh, we're looking for Karen Hubert. Is she available, please? I said, yeah, just a moment. Got on, Karen got on the phone and they said, oh, this is First Trust in downtown St. Paul. We'd like to hire you. Could you start on Tuesday uh, morning? Police number three answered. Well, the topic tonight is how do you know God's plan for your life? And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, I just want to focus on those two verses for a little bit tonight. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Don't miss that. And that actually is a quote out of Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. You know, what are the common questions of life? What should I do with my life? What should I do? Should I go to college? Should I get a degree? Should I just go to work? Should I try to uh, change jobs and increase my pay and increase my pension and my benefits? Should I get married? Who should I marry? Where should I retire? Some of us are asking that. Should I stay here in Minnesota where it's cold? Or should I get south where it's warm? Should I pursue a secular career? Should I go into full time ministry? Should I be a, ministry, a missionary? Should I buy a house? Should I rent? Or should I live with my parents for the rest of my life? On the cheap. <laughs> should I borrow money and go into debt? Or should I try and live my life debt-free? But you know what the real question is? The real question is, how can I know the will of God for my life? Isn't that the real question? Amongst all those other questions. How can I really know the will of God in my life? How can I know His plan? Well, let me start with the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the people didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside their hearts. They struggled all the time, every day, trying to know what the will of God was. Therefore, they had to rely on a different means. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, as Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. They had to rely on a different means of trying to discern what God's will was for their lives. What He wanted them to do, which direction He wanted them to travel, uh, who they were to go to battle against and if they should go into battle, and which land to settle in, and who to choose as a wife, and on and on and on it goes. Well, the question would become, how did the people in the Old Testament discover God's will? How'd they do that? How'd they know God's will? Well, one, reason, one way was to go visit a prophet. They would go inquire of a prophet of God, and they would say, will you seek the Lord on our behalf, and would you tell us what the Lord has to say about it? And some would seek special signs, or some kinds of divine signals, like Gideon. He laid a fleece on the ground three times before the Lord and said, Lord, show me if this is your plan. Let the fleece be dry in the morning. God, the next day, the next night, Lord, show me if this is your plan. Would the fleece be wet and the ground dry all the way around the fleece? And he went on for that. Three times he was seeking a special sign or a divine signal, and by the way, forgetting Gideon it was a real lack of faith. I might as well throw that in there. He just didn't want to do what God wanted him to do, and he was looking for excuses and ways out of it. Turn with me, and I'll show you this about consulting a prophet in Second Kings, chapter three, verses nine to twelve. Second Kings, chapter three is a great, great example of what, it, what they would do to consult a prophet. Chapter 2 Kings 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and when they had made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, Alas! The Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the kings of Israel's servants answered, Elisha the son of Shaphat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is within him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him, and I will add, to inquire of him about God's will for them and for their army. How did they know, how did the people of the Old Testament figure out what God's will is? They'd ask somebody else. They had to do some special things to try and discern what God's will was for them. Well, what changed in the New Testament? In the New Testament, we were given what Jeremiah 31-31 tells us is the new covenant was coming. It says there in Jeremiah 31-31 and following, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But this is the new covenant. I will put My law within them And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. How are they going to get a new covenant? Jesus the Savior was coming. As it was told to the shepherds in the field, today in the city of David a Savior has been born to you, Jesus Christ, the King, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, God Almighty, He was foretold about. The Apostle Paul would write in Philippians 2.13 that Jesus had come and He became intimately involved in the lives of His people. Philippians 2.13 It is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Remember the covenant. No longer will a man say to one another, to his neighbor, "Know the Lord, they will all know Me, for I will put My truth inside of them. And Paul's just confirming that. It's God who works in you both the will and the work to do His good pleasure. How was that happening? It was happening through the Holy Spirit and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about that in John 14, verses 16 and 26. And he says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John fourteen sixteen and 26. You see, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Under the Old Testament, Old Testament covenant, the Spirit wasn't in them. But when Jesus came on the scene, died on the cross, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died on the cross, crucified dead and buried, and rose again on the third day, and when He ascended into heaven, just before He ascended, in Acts 1.8, He told the disciples, stay here in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in a little while. And He did. We know the story. Acts chapter 2. So, at this point, as a believer under the New covenant, the Holy Spirit's now living inside of us, Paul tells us, and in that living inside of us, according to first Corinthians two nine and ten, the role is to search the heart of God, nothing that and nothing that the ear of man or the heart of man has ever heard or imagined before. What God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. How can I know God's will for my life and God's plan for my life? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the revelation of God Himself in the form of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. You see, I don't have to run across the world looking for answers. I don't have to go to other prophets or priests or uh, do a search omens or uh, special signs and wonders and things like that. I simply got to walk in fellowship in oneness and truth with the Holy Spirit of God. And God will make known to us in His great power. His role is to reveal to us the things of God through the Spirit of God. You know what the problem is, though? I think, this is my own personal opinion, I think it's an analysis of my own life, first of all, before I would ever say it to you. The problem is that as believers, we tend to live like we're still under the Old Testament covenant. And you say, Rich, what do you mean? Well, we tend to depend on special signs and special signals and we tend to depend on advice from other people. Let me suggest to us tonight that perhaps we've not developed a spiritual sensitivity to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and learned maybe we've not developed the sensitivity to learn to recognize His voice when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. That's not a condemnation. That's not a judgment. That's simply an analysis on my own personal life. And it might be of yours as well. That's why I put it out there. I think to walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and to have intimate fellowship with God, it's a trained, learned, practiced, understanding, and activity of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's come to dwell within us. And as Paul's telling us here in 1 Corinthians 2, He wants to. He wants to reveal to us the deep things of God. He wants to reveal to us everything we need to know. And His ministry, His purpose for being here, living inside of us, being here on the earth with with us, is to help us learn to recognize and to walk in intimacy and fellowship with Him. But as it's written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. I can't get over this next statement. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Paul tells us God's revealed His plan to us. He's literally telling us that. God has indeed revealed His plan to us and He's revealed it to us by the Holy Spirit. Now let me talk about the word revealed there that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Revealed, the Holy Spirit's revealed. Revealed is apokalupsis in the original language. Not to bore you with that. But apokalupsis is two words. Apo is means away, to take away. Kalupsis is the Greek word for veil or curtain or shade, so to speak, covering. Normally in the Scriptures, apokalupsis is the word that's translated revelation, God's revelation, God's unveiling to us. But here... In this particular illustration, Apocalypsis means to remove the veil, to take away the curtain, to uh, reveal what's on the other side. Here's an example of personal illustration. In our home where Karen and I live in Painesville, we have a great big picture window in the living room, and on the other side of the room is a uh, sliding patio glass patio door. And every night we pull the shade down over that six-foot picture window and we slide the uh, sliders across the patio door and we close them off so nobody can see in and we can't see out. What do you think we do the first thing in the morning? I get out of bed and one of the very first things I do is I walk out to the living room and the dining room and I lift that big shade up off of the picture window and I slide the blinds back on the patio door. Why? Why? because i want to see what's on the other side somebody's walking down the street i want to see it if the rabbits and the squirrels are playing in the backyard i want to see it i want to see if the branches have fallen out of the tree and i need to go out and pick them up and those kinds of things you see when i i remove those curtain or those coverings from the window i'm doing an apocalypsis at that moment i'm revealing what's behind what's been hidden for the last 8 or 10 or 12 hours of the night. Well, here, apocalypsis means to remove the veil. When the Spirit is revealing, it's to remove the curtain. So Paul's telling us that when the Holy Spirit came to dwell within us, one of His major missions was to remove the veil that once was an obstruction to us in the Old Testament. The Spirit's continue at work in us, Paul says in Corinthians, to help us see with our eyes, to hear with our ears, and to imagine with our hearts to fully comprehend the specific, special plans that God has carefully prepared for each one of us, he says. Try to wrap your head around this. Keep it in the forefront of your thinking. As a believer, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. He's the great revealer. Remember, we're talking about can I know God's plan for my life? The Holy Spirit's the great revealer. He lives inside of you and me as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants... He wants He desires to reveal to us God's blessings, God's promises, God's provisions, God's plans for your life and for mine. And as a believer, think about this, wrap your head around this, as a believer, living right inside of you, right here, is the greatest source of apocalypsis the special revelation that God could possibly ever give us in the gift of sending us the Holy Spirit to live in us, in our salvation. You don't have to look for special signs. You don't have to look for omens. You don't have to look for divine signals. You don't have to go to a prophet to discern God's plan for your life. you simply got to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit's moving. Movement inside of you now, I know what you're doing you're going you're asking rich, rich, how <laughs> how do I do this? Well, I think we need to work on developing literally developing an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit with the living Lord Jesus Christ living in us i I call it a spiritual sensitivity. Do you have that? Are you learning to listen to his Voice? Are you learning to respond in obedience when He does speak to you? Or are you resisting that voice? When you read the Bible, are you reading the Bible expecting God to speak to you as you read it? You know what someone asked me the other day, a couple weeks ago? They said, Rich, does God still speak to us today? What would you answer? Yes. You know how He speaks to you? He speaks to you when you're reading the Word of God out loud. Because this is God's Word. This is God's spoken Word to us. And every time you and I read it out loud, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, Rich Hubert. God just spoke to me. God just spoke to you as that was read to you. God is always speaking to us as we read the Word of God out loud. And I will say it till the day I die, read the Word of God out loud. Read it out loud. Out of your mouth, into your ear, into your heart. And you will digest the Word of God and meditate on it more intently when you read the Word of God out loud. So does God still speak to us today? The answer is yes, 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 absolutely yes. He's still speaking to us. And He will be speaking to you and to me directly as we develop our spiritual sensitivity to listening to His voice, to obeying that voice, and to determining that we're going to listen to that voice and walk with Him. And when you read the Word... Ask the Lord questions. When you start to read the Word of God in the morning or when you have your have your devotions, be sure you're asking the Lord questions as you read. God, what do you want me to do out of this text? God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to change? God, what do you want me to understand out of this passage? God, who do you want me to share with because of what this passage is telling me about. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one of my favorites. I quote it all the time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths every step of the way. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on other things. Signs, omens, divine signals... Trust in the Lord. Lean on Him. And He's promised that He will direct your path. Now, can we go back to Psalm 37 that we opened with tonight? Verses 3-7. to Because I think in that Psalm 37, there are some wonderful, wonderful ways in knowing God's plan for your life and discovering what that plan is. Verse 3 says what in Psalm 37? Trust in the Lord and do good. This is the instruction of God on how to know His plan and how to develop spiritual sensitivity. Verse 4, how do we know God's plan? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. The day that Jesus took James and John and Peter up onto the mountain in the day of transfiguration was a pretty glorious day you know why it was so glorious because at that moment when Jesus was done meeting with Elijah and Moses God spoke and God spoke this that is still as applicable for us today and tonight as we're talking about knowing God's plan for our lives he said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He's talking to James and John and Peter. This is My beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Listen to Him, God the Father said. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. James one twenty two through 25 says, we'll be blessed in our doing when we indeed do that when we walk with God. You see, learning to listen, being willing to listen, responding in obedience when God directs us or leads us, that's our greatest challenge in this day and age. It's our greatest challenge. But it all means loving listening and comes down to following what Jesus speaks to us as the Holy Spirit reveals it to us as we cultivate an intimate relationship with the living God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we are grateful that we're not alone. And this journey that we're on is not our own journey, it's yours. You do have a plan for our lives. And great is your faithfulness, Father, to reveal and show us your plan. And your plan is so complete, you even sent the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to show us what your plan is. And we didn't have to wander aimlessly in this life like the Israelites did in the desert for 40 years. God, you do have a plan for us. A good and pleasing and perfect plan. But Lord, we know that it demands of us what Psalm 37 said, to trust You, to delight in You, to commit our ways to You, to be still before You long enough to hear what You have to say to us. So my prayer for all of these brothers and sisters here tonight is that. That we would have that kind of determination, that kind of a desire to love You with our whole hearts. That we would want the kind of relationship that's more intimate than even a marriage relationship is. The kind of a relationship where the God of all eternity speaks into our very souls. The breath of God. Breathe on us, I pray. And I pray we can collaborate to that. And we can know your plans for our lives. And Father, when things are questionable, Father, help us to wait on You. Because You've promised You'll make things clear to us. You'll show us the way. You're a lamp unto our feet, and You're a light unto our path. And we bless You for that tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Hang around. We can talk some more about this one-on-one. cream cans are in the back. If you brought an offering you'd like to contribute tonight, uh, drop it in those by the doors on the way out. Uh, We love you. We thank you for coming. And uh, we're here for you. Nobody struggles alone at the Open Door Christian Church. God bless you. Thanks.